The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel.
The darkness, the darkness is growing over America. Destruction is coming upon our land. It is already among us, locked down, mask-wearing, some say diaper-wearing over the face. This is a very serious, destructive time in America, and it's going to become much, much worse. My purpose in coming today is not to describe the horrors that are going to come upon America. It is coming in response to sin. It is judgment from God. My purpose is to help you prepare to be able to stand in this day and be assured of the constant love and direction the covering wing of Jesus Christ over your life. This is the time we have prepared for. All of my life I've heard that this time of trouble, this tribulation was coming upon the earth. Well, it is here now, and we need to be very clear about how to stand. When... The children of Israel came out of Babylon. They found the homes were destroyed and burned. The temple, of course, was destroyed and burned. They found rubble. And they had to begin all over again to rebuild Jerusalem and to rebuild their homes in the outskirts. They did so against the opposition of pagan people who did not want the Jewish people in their land. But as time passed, they did set up their homes. They began to get a foothold thanks to the king of Babylon. And then Nehemiah, the cupbearer for the king, asked if he could come and rebuild the walls. He was made governor and he was sent by the king with supplies to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. With him came also, shortly after this, a man by the name of Ezra, who was a scribe, a teacher of the law, a righteous and godly man. They asked Ezra, to read the law to them and all of the people who could assembled in public assembly to hear the word of the Lord. They built a high platform where Ezra could stand so they could all hear the word of the Lord as it went forth. And so Ezra, we find in Nehemiah the 8th chapter, that Ezra opened the book. He was standing above them on the platform. And Ezra praised the Lord, the great God, 
And all the people lifted their hands and responded, Amen and Amen. Then they bowed down and they worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground. Now began the reading of the law of Moses, the book of the law. As the people listened to the book of the law, deep conviction fell upon their hearts and they began to weep. They began to cry aloud under deep conviction of sin. They saw how they had turned aside from the way of the Lord. And they saw graphically before them the consequence of their sin in the destruction of their city, still with piles of rubble. The scriptures say that all the people wept as they listened to the words of the law. But finally, it was break time. And in Nehemiah 8, verse 10, Nehemiah said to them, Go, enjoy choice food and sweet drinks, and send some to those who have nothing prepared. This day is sacred to our Lord. Do not grieve, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. And the Levites began to move among the people and say, Be still, for this is a sacred day. Do not grieve. And then all the people went away to eat and drink and sent portions of food to celebrate with those who had nothing. Because now they could understand their sin and what God expected of them. And day after day, they listened as the words were read. Periodically, the Israelites would gather together with fasting. They would wear sackcloth and having put dust on their heads, they would cry out before the Lord. But after repentance, always the message was the same. Stand up and praise the Lord your God, who is from everlasting to everlasting. Now let's be very clear. The children of Israel sinned greatly against Almighty God. And in their great sin against the Lord, they repented. And they were told the joy of the Lord is your salvation. Now, the joy of the Lord is not your salvation until you have repented of your sin. There is only death and destruction in sin, and there is joy everlasting in Jesus Christ. 
Now, if you go into Jesus Christ, as is the modern way, and you have a praise and worship service while you have not confessed your sins and you have not wept before the Lord, in fact, you're not even conscious of your sin, then you will have an emotional experience and you will say, The joy of the Lord is my salvation, but there will be no salvation and there will be no lasting joy. And that's where the modern church is. No salvation and no everlasting joy. All temporary. Phony. Made up. The joy of the Lord comes when a man has truly repented of his sin and turned from it. So again today, I'm going to address this issue out of the book of James, the first chapter. The book of James was written by the half-brother of Jesus, probably a younger brother. The book of James comes from the heart of a pastor. He was not considered an apostle in the way Peter and John and Paul were. He was pastor. He was the pastor of the New Testament church. Now, I want you to read with me the very first words this pastor begins to speak to his people and to give you context for what I'm going to read to you. I want to say to you, if you have not listened to yesterday's broadcast, please go back and listen to it. For it lays the foundation of all that I'm going to say to you today. All sin flows out of our response to the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. There is an intricate connection between our sin and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil did not just happen in the Garden of Eden. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil is alive and well today. And it is particularly alive and well in the American culture. Now, I spoke yesterday, and I need to clarify with you that hanging from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil are new cars, new homes, new clothes, fancy hairdos, exotic jewelry, makeup, all kinds of things hang from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And there is plenty there to satisfy the lustful desire of every human person. Now, I want to be also very clear that hanging from the tree of life is also all that we need. Cars, houses. I've been driving old junker cars for the last 30 years. It was 
about 30 years ago that I went out and bought my last brand new car. Do I want a new car? Yes, I've been asking Jesus, could I have a new car? Because the car I now drive has almost 180,000 miles. It was in an accident. One side of it is a little messed up. I'm very grateful for it. It came from the hand of Jesus. But I recognize it's a temporary car. And I've been driving temporary cars for many years. I call them the tithe cars. After people have used them all up, they give me the last 10% of life in the car and I finish the car up. It's okay. I've been blessed. I don't lust after a new car. But for practical reasons, I would love to have a dependable car that would allow me to be free to go where I need to go when I need to go there. But I know that that new car could hang for me on the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and I could go in debt, and I could buy that car. I could pick it off the tree, and I've said, no, I will not do that. I want nothing to do with the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. I know that if the Lord wants me to have that car, it will be there on the tree of life and he will give it to me. Now, does that mean I won't owe a payment on it? Well, in my mind, I've made the decision I will not ever make another payment on a car. But if the Lord told me to go in debt to buy a car, I'd go in debt if it came from the tree of life. Likewise, if the Lord directed me to buy a house, I would buy a house. He's not directed me to do those things. He may have directed you to do that. I know of one brother who went out and bought a brand new car. But it was clearly, in his mind, the word of the Lord to him. I don't judge that. I'm not in the position to judge whether a man should drive this car or that car. But each of us must face the reality of questioning, did I buy that car by going to the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and make a wise choice out of my flesh, Or did Jesus lead me to that and arrange for me to have that car? Now, please, what I'm trying to say to you today is that the tree of the knowledge of good and evil is the source, the beginning point, the bait point for all sin. It was that for Adam and Eve. It is still that today. I want you to see this. In the book of James, we're going to begin after the greeting in verse 2. My brethren, consider it all joy when you may encounter various temptations. I could not understand for many years how I could consider it joy when I face temptations. But let me put it another way. 
Consider it all joy when you pass by the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and there hanging from the branch is the very thing you want. Consider it joy that the devil has laid out a smorgasbord before you, and you're free to take what you want from his tree, knowing that it will taste good to you, knowing that you will enjoy having it, but knowing that it will bring death to you. In other words, the Holy Spirit will withdraw from you. And almost everything that is done today in the modern American church is done by reaching out by the pastor and by the members from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But listen, knowing that the testing of your faith works patience. I couldn't put together being faced with various temptations with understanding how it was testing my faith that works by patience. I do now. Let me make it plain to you. Immediately, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil offers me the answer that I've been looking for. The loan, the car, the house, the friendships, the clothing, the lifestyle, But there is a testing of my faith that works by patience. Well, what do I mean? These temptations, if I say no to them, then I'm going to be testing my faith in believing that God will provide for me exactly what he wants me to have. That I don't have to grab and growl. One Christian sister said to me, Pastor, you just go into the prayer closet and there you'll find a table laid out in the presence of God. And you'll see things on the table. Just grab it and run. No, sister, I can't do that. I'm not going to steal from the table of God. You don't steal from the the tree of life. What's that the tree of life is given freely to the person who has been tested in their faith? Now, what happens is the testing of your faith works patience. Now, I've always said, and it's true, God is absolutely faithful, but he usually comes late by my schedule. And for many years, that was true. I don't find it to be true anymore. I paid my rent today. The Lord gave it to me on time. I didn't have to pay late rent fee. I have not had to do that. The Lord has covered it each month. He told me he would, and he's been faithful to do that for me. But let me explain what I mean. 
the tree of the knowledge of good and evil is immediate gratification. Just grab it at yours. Go buy it at yours. Go enjoy it now. But the tree of life doesn't just produce that immediately for you. There is a time of the testing of your faith to see whether or not you will actually go and grab what's on the tree of the knowledge of good and evil because you don't see how you can survive without grabbing for yourself. So waiting upon God develops patience. And through the years, there has been one consistent message that the Lord has given to me. And that consistent message has been, wait upon the Lord. Over and over and over, he has said to me, wait upon the Lord. Most of the time, I've not clearly understood what I was to wait for. Today, I do. I wait for all that I need to come to me from the tree of life. I wait for that new car from the tree of life. I wait for the clothing that I need from the tree of life. I wait for the food that I need from the tree of life. Remember, he said, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things that the pagans are after, food and shelter and clothes, all of these things will be added unto you. They'll be given freely to you. Now, many of you go to work day after day, and I've asked many times as you have finished your day's work, I've said, how was your day? Well, it's, it's gone, it's done. I was there. Well, why were you there? Well, you were there to earn money. Well, why did you want to earn money? So you could increase your consumption. That word consumption is interesting. In the old days, consumption was a fatal lung disease. Consumption today is once more a fatal heart disease. Many of you work and earn money so you can consume what you need and desire in your flesh. I don't come and do this radio broadcast in order to make money. In fact, I don't make money by doing the broadcast. I make money by waiting upon the Lord and doing exactly what he tells me to do. And he adds to me, through his means, all that I need for my needs supply. Well, say, you're a pastor. Well, if you work in an office, do you work in that office for money? If so, you have freely taken from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and the result is sin in your life. No, you go to that office because that's where the Lord has assigned you as a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ for the redemption of the lost and the dying. But pastor, if I began to act like that, I'd lose my job. 
Thank you, Jesus. Move on. What's next, Jesus? In other words, the Christian is not called to work for money. He's called to work in the world as a construction person, as an architect, as a cybersecurity person, in the military, in the government office, to be assigned to that place to be salt, to be assigned to that place to win a person to Jesus Christ. Not so he can make money, so he can consume on his own pleasure. Some of you work so you can pay for your cruise. If Jesus sees that you need to go on a cruise, do you think he could not pay for that cruise? Of course he can. And he may use your job to funnel the money to tell you to go and take that cruise. But are you beginning to see the issue that I'm laying out for us? When you take from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you do not need to hear from the Holy Spirit regarding how you live your life. You're welcome to live it however you choose. And that's what's happening in the American church. Most people in the American church are lost. They're not saved. They're not saved from their sin. And if you're not saved from your sin, what are you saved to? There is a place of such precious abiding in Jesus Christ where the joy of the Lord wells up in our hearts and it is our strength, it is our salvation, it is oneness with Jesus. And this is the place we must move into if we are going to survive the horror that is coming upon America. Now, patience must have a perfect work so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing at all. Now, some of you are saying, if I do what you say, Pastor, I'm going to be lacking in everything. But Pastor James says, no, if you're complete in your perfection of waiting upon Jesus at the tree of the knowledge of, or of the tree of life, and you reject the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you won't lack anything. Everything will be supplied for you. But then he says, but if any of you lack wisdom, you must ask from God, the one giving to all men generously and without limit, and it will be given to him. So if you lack wisdom in how to eat from the tree of life, ask Jesus to show you how to make the transition from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil to the tree of life. This is an essential step if you are going to survive what's coming in America. It is, it is a confession of all consumption of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. It is a humbling of our hearts before God. It is a confession of all known sin. 
because all known sin will be directly connected to the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, of our own independence and our own ability to take care of ourselves and do what we want. You see, my purpose in living is not to be a consumer. My purpose in living is to represent Jesus Christ in a wicked and sinful world and to win as many men and women to the gospel as I can and to bring men and women into discipleship and to teach them all things about Jesus Christ. I am called as a servant of the Most High God. You are too. You are called to be a fisher of men. What a wonderful occupation. You are not called to be a consumer, but a fisherman. Now, if you don't know how to do that, Pastor James says, ask the Lord. Ask how to make the transition from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil to the tree of life. And he will give you generously. He won't insult you. He'll give you that wisdom. Now, verse 6. Now, he must ask in faith. He must ask in faith, in the faith of Jesus. Trusting that he's going to now cut off entirely the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. He's going to repent of every contact with it. He's no longer going to go about his life doing as he pleases. He's no longer going to be a consumer of Americanism or churchism. He is going to go with absolute confidence in patience, waiting upon the Lord, asking for wisdom to know what choices to make and how to move forward without doubting that God will do all that he has said he will do for you, not doubting that if you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, he will supply you. Some of you today need a job. Ask Jesus. He'll show you where to apply. He'll show you what to do. But you may have a work of repentance before you're given that job. Generally, I find that I go to the promises of God and I begin to stand on them. And then the promises of God come and stand on my head. What do I mean? That the Lord wants to accomplish in me a work of righteousness, and then he will hear my plea and he will do what I've asked him to do. Mark 11 23 and 24. He says, if you are still doubting and wavering between these two trees, you are like a wave of the sea being driven by the wind, being blown here and there. So that man must not think he will receive anything from the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. So if you're going to go to the tree of the knowledge of good and evil because you don't see God providing for you what you need, you are called in the scripture by the pastor James 
a double-minded man. And you will receive nothing from the hand of God, and you will finally in despair go back and feast on the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and you will die. You are unstable in all of your ways. That's why you have to let faith be tested. Develop patience in waiting upon the Lord. Sometimes <laughs> there are some things I've asked the Lord for, and it's been years, and I'm still asking. I began asking for revival in Washington, D.C., 50 years ago. I've been pastoring in this city for that long. I still have not seen that revival. Will I? I don't waver or doubt in the slightest. I know revival is coming to this city of Washington, D.C. And I pray revival is coming to America. Am I going to doubt God? No, because then I would be a double-minded man. Do I know it is God's will to turn people from wickedness to righteousness? Yes. Do I know it's God's will that men everywhere repent? Yes. Do I know it's God's will to save countless numbers of his people? Yes, I know that. I know he will bring revival. Leonard Ravenhill knew that God would bring revival. My dear brother and father in the faith, David Wilkerson, knew that God would bring revival. Both of them prophesied about it, and both of them have now gone on to their reward. I may go on to my reward, too, before revival comes to America. I don't believe I will, however, for the Lord has shown me visions of my participating in the great revival in Washington, D.C. He then goes on, pastor does, but let the lowly brother rejoice in his high position. I'm a lowly brother. I'm not a rich man. I rejoice in my high position of humility before God. I don't need money. I need Jesus. I need the power of the Holy Spirit. He speaks about the rich man, and he says, let him rejoice in his humiliation, because as a flower of grass he will pass away. For the sun rose with scorching heat and withered the grass, and the flower fell off, and the beauty of its appearance perished, and so the rich man in his pursuit will fade away. Blessed is the man who endures temptation to sin. He's coming back now to the first verses of the, of the chapter, where he says, Consider it pure joy that you encounter these temptations. Endure them. Because having become approved, he will receive the crown of life which the Lord promised to the one loving him. Let no one being tempted say, I am tempted by God. For God is untemptable by evil. 
and he himself entices no one to sin. God does not entice us to sin. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil, the dragon, tempts us to sin by lying to us. But now listen to this very practical advice as we close today. Each one is enticed to sin by one's own lust, being drawn out and lured by bait. Satan is an expert layer of bait. He'll put the bait of the new car. He'll put the bait of of those clothes. He'll put the bait of that that worldly look and the exotic jewelry. He'll give us the bait that just attracts the flesh. You remember the Gospel of John writer, the Apostle John writes in 1 John, Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For everything in the world, the cravings of sinful man, the lust of his eyes, and the boasting of what he has and does comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away, but the man who does the will of God lives forever. So the bait is laying out before us. And the lust, having been assisted by the bait, begins producing sin in our heart. And that sin, having been completed, causing us to reach out and take from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, brings forth death. What could be more clear? The sin, harmatia, that's singular, brings forth death. As it was in the Garden of Eden, so it is today. Thus death, spiritual and physical, passed upon all men. It is a solemn truth that we must hear today. That eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil is sin. And it brings death and separation from God to the believer. Millions today in the church vigorously promote the lie of Satan in the garden that sin does not bring death. That I'm covered by the blood of Jesus and it's imputed to me. And so I don't have to leave my sin. They're lying to you. You cannot be saved if you don't leave your sin. You must leave it. You must stop eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. You must not be deceived. Verse 16, this is James 1.16. You must not be deceived, my brother, my beloved brother. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation, no shadow or turning. Having willed it, he brought us into being by the word of truth for us to be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. Did you get that? Every good and perfect gift comes not from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, 
not from my own will, going out and creating for myself what I desire, and then adding to my life a sentimental kind of Christian life, what is coming on America, the famine, the violence, the fires, what is coming upon America will test every man. Do you receive your food from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, or do you receive your food from the tree of life? Does your very physical being trust in Jesus Christ for survival? I've been preparing for these events emotionally, spiritually, physically for some time, for many years. But I want to tell you there's only one true preparation for what's coming upon the on the earth. And that is to eat freely from the tree of life and to let joy fill our hearts. The joy of the Lord is my salvation, not the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. We must turn aside from it. So then, my beloved brethren, all men must be swift to hear and slow to speak and slow to anger, for the anger of man does not work the righteousness of God. Therefore, having already taken off all moral uncleanness and the residue of depravity in humanity, you must receive the engrafted word, the one being able to save your souls. Now you must be doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving yourselves. It requires a whole new way of life where you say, okay, I'm not going to do my own deal. I'm cutting it off. And I'm going to pray and cry out to God. And my faith is going to be tested to develop my patience in certain assurance that Jesus Christ will answer the cry of my heart for food and shelter. He will answer the cry of my heart for transportation. He will answer the cry of my heart for the healing of my physical body. We serve a God who has everything we need on the tree of life. I believe that tree of life is actually the person, the broken body and the spilled blood of my Savior, Jesus Christ. Remember, he said, my blood is real drink and my broken body is real food. As I come to Jesus and trust him completely for my food, my clothing, my shelter, my transportation. The joy of the Lord becomes my salvation. And I walk in peace in the certain knowledge that Jesus is everything to me. He is everything to me. 
Now, I know that these things that I've said to you out of James, the first chapter, will require you to pray and meditate and then make the necessary changes and adjustments in the way you seek your provision. I know it didn't happen overnight for me. I'm even aware now that there have been certain things that I've reached out to that I didn't know were coming from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And I've had to cut those things off. And I have. Quickly. Lord Jesus, I bring my brother and my sister before you. And I bring them a meal of the broken body and spilled blood. I bring to them you, Jesus, the joy of my salvation. Thank you, my Lord. I love you and I trust you. And I will wait upon you. Even if I were to die in waiting, I will wait upon the Lord. And I will trust your love, for you are my Savior. Thank you, Jesus. I pray for each who is listening. Minister to their heart now. That they too would make that decision to eat only from the tree of life. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. You've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress. I have some housekeeping things. We've had to take down our PayPal account because they are withholding money for 20 days and we can't walk that way with them. For two years, they have performed perfectly, but suddenly everything shifted and changed. We are still about $1,000 short of where we need to be for the month of July for radio cost. It's one of the longest months we pay by the day, and there are 23 days. So we're just short of $4,000 needed. We're about $1,000 short, just a little over that. If the Lord prompts you, would you help cover this bill? Now, we are setting up a new way to pay online I'm hoping within a day or two that can be available to you. In the meantime, would you just write a check and put it in the mail as the Lord moves your heart? Some of you could give that full $1,000. Others of you can only give $1 or $2. Whatever you can give, do only as the Lord directs you. Write to me at the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. I went to the post office. There was a a wonderful gift from a brother in the West with a check for $50. I so much appreciate each one of you who has given so faithfully. Thank you. Some of you have given two or three times this month. Thank you. And many of you I've not heard from yet, and I'm waiting 
So please, as the Lord moves, write to me at the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. That's again, 22195. Now go to our webpage for the podcasts and also for the YouTube videos. And would you please go to the YouTube and subscribe to our broadcast? It will be very helpful. And click like if you like it. That gives us more coverage with Google. They put our videos up more often. My brother, my sister, I've spoken honestly today the word of God to your heart. I pray you take this word very seriously because based on this word will be your survival in the days to come. God bless you. I love you. I'll talk to you soon. Before the presence of His glory with great joy with Jesus Christ alone.